Hi, Dr. Zara. How are you? Welcome back to part two. Hello, Vicky. Long time. Long time. All good? Yep. All great. Let's get into it. So last time we were talking about your timeline, about the various nuances of your life and how you transitioned through it while curving your own niche and micro niche. And, yes. And uh, was the things that you're doing right now in your life, right? Mm-hmm. So what are the other nuances that you want to ponder into and you want to bring to the table with regard to the conversation that we're having today? Well, I, um, we had kind of stopped where there's a young girl blooming into a lady mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> all while trying to figure out, yeah, a career choice. And, yeah. um, yeah. So luckily for me, I ended up, um, you know, starting med school. That journey wasn't so easy because it almost looked like at many points that I would almost not make it or maybe that wasn't meant for me. Because believe it or not, I was not, I never in a million years thought that I would take a gap year, but I took a gap year. And even mm-hmm. now I forget that, that I actually took a gap year because I had missed the, the application deadlines for um, medicine here where I'm currently practicing in Dubai because mm-hmm. I wanted to pursue it back home. So, and I actually traveled and my dad let his 17, almost 16, go and live back home all alone in a hostel. So that was something, you know, unheard of. So yeah, that was, that was an experience too. Mm-hmm. And I made it there and then he changed his mind like a daddy's daughter that I am. Then he called me back here. But, <laughs> you know, all to say that um, it was meant to be and I waited for a year for the admissions to open. So, and finally um, started medicine here. So, after a six-year grueling journey, which was very um, eye-opening for me also, not in, not just in terms of education, but also in terms of actual real-life socialization, which, you know, for some part, maybe I had been avoiding subconsciously, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think university was a phase that really, um, it, it puts you out there, it puts you in the spot, no matter what, you know, everything is um, out of the way, whether it be uniform, that is from school or, you know, you get to be yourself and no one stops you, you're not really uh, monitored as much. So when you know that you're finally, um, you can take charge of your day, you know, the 24 hours that you have, most of it, I mean, there's no specific routine, nobody would really complain if we didn't attend class you know that was the first proper unmonitored time of my life in the timeline if we're talking about so that was that was fun it it was quite eye-opening yeah so i I saw a lot of uh, the personality that i didn't explore before or I, I didn't have the chance to because you can only know about yourself if you are in that position, you know, in a certain situation. If Unless you don't see your own reaction and ponder upon it, you will not know what you will do in a certain situation. So, um, so that was um, in terms of, you know, new experiences. I think my university life was was the most memorable one. Yeah. So while you're talking about the university life and 
now when you are working in the real world scenario mm-hmm. what are the similarities and the differences that you can observe i never really thought of university as uh, some sort of a, a schooling that's why i did that i'm telling you for me real life began when university began where i didn't have to wear a school uniform where um we had superiors which i think we even have now like where i work in a clinic i'm not the medical director all of a sudden you know so uh i still have seniors like i had professors back in university so uh, there's a lot to learn always i think that is one fact that you cannot uh, shy away from whether it be university or even if you're a specialist a consultant you're still learning you're expected to do your continuous education hours like you have to keep learning cuz medicine and knowledge in general is evolving you know we keep getting to know something or the other every day so uh that is one thing that um you'll always be in a in a in a negative state when it comes to knowledge you cannot be overwhelmed with it i mean you can never have enough it's always going to be less you'll always be learning so that is one thing that i i saw and it's it's nice to have superiors and you know uh, seniors who are, who also realize this thing and luckily for me i've had that kind of an experience with uh, my colleagues so that i think was um, similar between university and actual you know practicing a career mm-hmm. uh other than that i think like i said social interactions for me were on all time high starting university like whether i liked it or not i had to be part of a research team i had to um do a lot more presentations than i ever had to do in school and meaningful ones it's not like you know no one was forced to listen to anything so when you're in university and um uh you know the topics that you have you the way you present things is also different you're more you're more free to be casual i think than you are in school i don't know if that's just my experience mm-hmm. but um you know you can you can resonate with the audience you try to cuz um obviously there are uh, older people listening to you as compared to in high school or you know when in your younger years so i think people listen to you a lot more when you're in mm-hmm. university when you're at work you're you're heard more and uh, by more mature ears by um you know it's not just something routine that you're doing it's uh like if i have a patient he wants to listen to what i have to say about his condition mm. and i want to listen to him so you learn to listen also um yeah and, so and why do you feel they're listening to you because a placebo effect has got created that just because the person is there in a certain ecosystem environment got sourced got recruited got hired wearing a certain uniform uh wearing a certain label and uh, because they are the beck and call of the doctors the paramedics the technicians the staff that is there by default you we are able to influence them and in university because we have a label of a student even when mm-hmm. we are talking sense no one would be keen to listen to us something on those lines um on the contrary i think uh in university if anyone is serious about their job a professor or anyone 
uh, I think that they're really listening more than they are in in a school setting like I keep comparing it to you know younger years that that's been my experience um uh, the same thing goes with a hospital setup it's because it's the dire um is the sheer um seriousness the grave uh, graveness of the situation like somebody who's sick with like someone who's got a stomach ache or just a mild palpitation is going to immediately think that they have a heart attack i don't think they're just taking me seriously because i'm in a position because it's because also that they want to know what's wrong with them and if i am listening to my seniors beat in university or you want to learn you because you're dealing with you know it's it's a serious situation no one's really joking around i think but though it does come to a point where you know people get used to a certain routine and i've seen and especially in government hospitals even here like people don't take um diseases so seriously or like in the current um, pandemic mm-hmm. even now a lot of medical professionals they'll, you'll be finding them not following the proper ppes um having their masks hanging down till their necks reusing the same masks not washing their hands before they touch the mask and simple things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. is just because you uh, i think it's human nature right that when you get too much of something you just get used to it you you get used to the danger you get used to you get immune it starts rubbing off on you so yeah your behaviors get immune it's not that you will not get the disease but um till it hits you 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 kind of get accustomed to um something because of the because of the frequency with which it's with which it's happening if it's a lot then you stop uh, getting scared of it until it maybe hits you or maybe you get affected directly so uh is a serious profession if you talk about medicine and in the beginning years at least everyone takes it very very seriously mm-hmm. and i think as you go up the timeline you will if you become like you you climb the ladder you become a consultant you become a specialist you know you have people under you to rely on you know that's why you'll see in some places the consultants lazing around or they just throw all the work on the residents or uh the specialist or the first on call the second on calls so yeah the it's it's serious though. it's serious business there's no two ways about it mm. and do you feel the contribution to the gdp is enough for the healthcare sectors wow <laughs> <laughs> contribution to the gdp <laughs> you mean by the healthcare sector <laughs> no it depends I'm, I'm from country about, to country doesn't it yeah like i'm talking about india in india we only have 3% uh, of the contribution to the gdp from for the healthcare sector that means uh, for the healthcare they are only contributing 3% from the gdp and that's a very low figure something very similar um, around 4% or 5% is for the educational system so education mm-hmm. and healthcare is something that i feel should be given a prior importance something which is lacking in india so mm-hmm. i just wanted to understand the situation there in dubai no no obviously it's um uh, if you know the figures like we have such a good control over the we're amongst the top countries who've been able to restrain the spread of the pandemic you know mm-hmm. at least uh, nationally so it is because they are very freely spending on healthcare mm. and um 
more so because they know they cannot escape they're very uh, conscious about their own people mm-hmm. even though they're just i think make up 30 or 40% of the country's population but because they know that they can get affected especially because they're dwindling in numbers so they do invest a lot whatever the reasons behind it the um, the budget you mean is a lot for healthcare yeah it's it's adequate it is enough you will get healthcare um you can get access to home care you can it, it is expensive though i think like anywhere um not like anywhere else I, I, healthcare is expensive here unless you have an insurance Mm-hmm. and it's mandatory to have health insurance here and uh, malpractice is very hard so uh people are very careful i think it's well regulated mm-hmm. but um if you're like um um if you want to get access to like a good facility or you want to have top of the notch then you have to spend some bucks even if you have an insurance so in that sense uh the budget for nationals and non-nationals the way they divided maybe there there is some discrepancy but overall as a nation like they make sure everyone does have healthcare and emergency services are almost always free so yeah that that way that they, they have a fair amount in the gdp hmm. Hmm. and while uh, you were talking about uh, that i was thinking about the transition from my college and university to corporate and one thing which was a, a major transition was that mm-hmm. we never used to report to anyone person mm-hmm. now we had to report to people and we had to give that kind of an um, dashboard analysis of everyday numbers what we are doing the trends and all the bi right. so so that is something that i feel is uh, majorly that happens in the corpus where you have to be um extremely mindful about everyday data that you are crunching in you're punching in the way you are handling the customers the clients mm. and the way you're creating those profits so it's more of a monitoring basis uh, increases the monitoring more and it starts putting you into a um kind of an uh, where you have to be more accountable the yeah, accountability exactly. starts increasing more um and definitely during the pandemic one thing that happened was that people started feeling as if they were walking on eggshells and every day mm. there were firings and layoffs and and all these uh, outturns and all and people were getting deboarded so these were certain things that uh, people started becoming more aware about that any time the job can be uh, it can go away but i feel that uh, with regard to the healthcare sector there was a lot of boom two sectors pharmaceuticals and healthcare there was a lot of boom right yeah definitely that did happen but that being said there was a lot of expectations also from the healthcare yeah providers and uh, they were expected like frontline workers supernatural they were, they things the people like the, the they were like the army at that time they were the ones who were working in the forefront they were sacrificing their own life for the betterment of the society so that's yeah, definitely 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 a lot of lives saved and a lot of lives lost yeah lost and a lot of martyrs i would say yes so yeah and the uh, healthcare people when they are working uh, the way they go into that uh, particular structure that process they always try to create that uh, feeling for the patients in such a manner that you can create a patient centricity the patient is always in the center with regard to whatever amenities or um 
what whatever facilities that you want to provide them yeah and certain times with regard to pandemic many of them lost their lives because of that but it was a very very positive mindset and very powerful and very courageous mindset that all the healthcare workers they portrayed themselves in that man yeah which i think you know uh, calls for a a, pro- a management or a crisis management program also in place which i don't think like a lot of places mm-hmm. have because you never know when a pandemic comes through like this time i think it's it's a lesson for the whole world where with um beat healthcare or anywhere else i think you know you the way they've been firing employees is there should have been a better system or a safety net around all of this you know to avoid all of the the unnecessary trouble that came with with the pandemic for a lot of people not just in the healthcare sector what i'm saying is basically um management skills and crisis management especially i think you you can shed some light on that i'm sure i mean that should i feel like that should have been in place better or that should be like a a prophylactic measure that should be like we have a fire safety training so you know mm-hmm. things like that should be in place for times like this Mm. More so with yeah. the evolving strains you've got the omicron strain now so yeah. you never know what's going on it's just never ending it seems oh. yeah because there are a lot of mutations that are happening even for the delta variant this is that they have a lot of mutations and this one also has a lot of mutations so it's a virus yeah it's going to keep mutating till it decides to shut down <laughs> yeah that's one thing about them we still haven't been able to get rid of the flu the common flu because <laughs> it keeps changing it's just that and it doesn't the, uh, affect common flu is like a common symptom for almost every viral disease that is there even yeah. for covid um, covid and sars common flu was something that people used to think that it's common flu and they have very similar symptoms it becomes a bit dicey to gauge as to what exactly is the level of the disease that you're having till the time you're not getting yeah. diagnosed No, that is the dilemma. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> that is the biggest dilemma. Hopefully we can we can constrain it in the days to come hopefully. And now when you like uh, transition from your university education into the corporate life or the healthcare mm-hmm. what are some of the obstacles that you feel you have encountered and you have you have tried to smoothen them out in the process? Mm-hmm. For me Vicky uh, I like I would like to confess that it, it's high time that I specialized I feel like you know there are certain times uh, when me being a general practitioner it kind of limits you that you cannot do you cannot you have to stop at a certain level of care you have to contact tertiary care you have to refer people to a hospital mm-hmm. so I think it's not really an obstacle more of a um, more of a personal goal which i should have achieved earlier but mm-hmm. it's something that keeps you know bugging you in the back of your head that uh you wish that you could complete the care here it's also because i'm in a clinic setup sometimes you know i've uh we don't have the diagnostic tools or um so the lack of resources in a primary uh healthcare setup kind of um you know may look like an obstacle even though hospitals are in reach and by the time you refer them it's never been that someone has lost their life you mm. know even emergency cases but then you do see that 
you know if you were the first point of care for that patient who is in need of uh, let's say um, you know uh, tertiary care so that would be nice so uh, to say to simplify it like um, being in a hospital would have been better than being in a clinic i currently work in a clinic mm-hmm. so we do not um, we're still at a primary level we do not have a tertiary setup so we don't have for example coronary healthcare or we cannot do pcis we cannot uh, you know take care of cardiac patients the certain emergencies that really you would you know feel bad if you lost a patient to them so um, but in terms of obstacles uh mm, not really any it's 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 a journey there there are no such obstacles maybe sometimes where you feel like a um like i said lack of resources or diagnostic tool or you need to contact a lab or uh, certain tests that are not available at your clinical setup mm-hmm. things like that but other than that i don't see anything as an obstacle it's a learning opportunity i've never really looked at any shortcoming as an obstacle there mm-hmm. yeah so uh, that way it, it all plays out you you feel good by the end of the day that i i like being a doctor is what i can say by the end of it <laughs> for me yeah I, i still can't get over it that i was not i did not consider this as a career choice you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i might not be seeing obstacles in it because it's something that i am getting passionate about i might just see everything as a as a boon mm-hmm. rather than a bane so for the for the sake of the listeners would you like to um bring more awareness to these terms of primary care secondary and tertiary care so that people become more aware about it oh well it depends on the country that you're in but i think in every country there is a um you have the clinics the like a general practice you have mm-hmm. a, you first approach a general practitioner um this setup is named more so because for insurance purposes like for most insurances you'll have to go through a primary setup like you just approach a general practitioner you cannot directly go and see a cardiologist for example or a neurologist okay even though you know you need that doctor so you have to go through a triaging system that is the primary primary setup where you will be initially evaluated by a general practitioner who's not specialized mm-hmm. and then there is um secondary care if needed we will um um transfer or refer a patient to um to a tertiary hospital or a secondary that is the secondary care where you can get uh, specialist help and if needed you know specialized healthcare units like um coronary units or uh intensive care units so that is a tertiary level so you have primary where the gps kind of uh, strain out the simple cases not everyone really needs specialist care you know mm-hmm. so that saves uh, like you were talking about the budget you know that saves a country a lot of burden and it eases out access to specialists for people that really need it than just mm-hmm. everyone rushing in to see a specialist so basically primary healthcare and i think it's um, it's very well done in the uk Mm-hmm. and uh yeah primary healthcare is it's like a foundation for a good healthcare system for any country so if you can and everyone should have access to primary healthcare it's cheaper obviously like a gp uh, consultation is cheaper mm-hmm. than a, con- a specialist consultation mm-hmm. 
so more people have access to um it's just um you know the more severe the case the higher you climb up the ladder mm. primarily gpc patients and then secondarily and tertiary is going to be in a higher specialized hospital mm-hmm. which is usually referred to by um gp to a hospital so basically that's it it's it's i think people <laughs> depending on your budget and your pocket what allows you people will not stop at mm. going and seeing a specialist the first thing that they can you know so uh but this system is put in place for um like uh nationwide um like you have an infra- infrastructure for any kind of system so that way uh, if it goes through this then it's smoother mm. yeah it lessens the burden of um you know costs in healthcare mm-hmm. yep nowadays we uh, we see a lot of youngsters uh, who are in their teens the teenagers and all they are going into this fad and fashion of entrepreneurship um creating a startup creating some kind of mm-hmm. online e-commerce business and all and in that you are uh, fond of that you want to venture into that you are planning in the near future what's your take on this me vicky for the longest time and uh, not really that long but this year i've kind of taken uh, started to read up about um, uh trading in currencies and cryptocurrency mm-hmm. like <laughs> am i joining mm-hmm. jumping the bandwagon <laughs> but um, but yeah that is interesting uh, i'm all for it mm-hmm. we need new ideas we need young people to you know the idea of working in a, in an organization as a um starting from a menial job and then climbing up is slowly dying out i think mm-hmm. and uh, that is a good thing you know if you you're hungry to reach the top and you want to innovate you know uh then you probably will end up somewhere good and you will have some good ideas to the solutions that we need nowadays so all for entrepreneurship all for like who knew cryptocurrency would take off like this you know mm-hmm. it's untouchable money but it's 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 just uh, it's 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 um, running so many households are you also so, planning to start any any of your own startup <laughs> any idea that you have pondering deep inside you ideas yeah that has always been something but i haven't really sat down and thought actively on it maybe you and me can <laughs> think of something think of like something. something that we really need to find a solution to you know i think it should be solution based that's something that always sells so one of my friends and, is uh, he's uh, working for an omni channel approach in healthcare Uh-huh. And, uh he has the organization called Healthka he's a ceo there and he's okay. trying to create an omni channel approach in such a manner so that it becomes a kind of a community healthcare organization where even okay. if someone is uh, in distress and there is some kind of a financial help that supposed to be uh, provided to him or he he requires that he can just do a whatsapp on a certain group Mm-hmm. or like there's a group community there and the community becomes aware about it and they can start supporting so that kind of thing is not there in india or anywhere in the world so that is something that he's working on right now getting some investors and all working on his app so i really like that idea i, I might become a part of it because um, definitely this thing will be it, it's almost like on the model of preventive prevention mm-hmm. rather than cure so you're being very mindful you're being very proactive 
and uh, we have seen we have seen that scenario in india and all over the world when covid hit we were not mm. uh, ready yeah. to sustain it in the white manner and we did not have those uh, adequate resources and more than that the awareness and the spread of the awareness that where exactly you can find those centers where you can get vaccinated so there was a lot a lot of uh, hotspots and there mm. was no proper um information uh, transfer so there is something that we are planning for apart from this one thing which is very close to my heart definitely is the education sector of india nothing yeah. is being done there and uh, the the rote learning system of the old british raj it has to end and still everyone is following that in in the indian diaspora and what uh, we are planning to do because law of it edtech startups are there a lot of companies are there they gain fundings but major thing is more about the fact that whether children are able to get that overall development that they require because personality is the key and till the time you're not able to uh, voice out your opinion or you don't have the power of voice or personality or body language people won't give a damn about you you might be having amazing Definitely. but they mm. don't listen to you till the time you're not able to be articulate or you have the comprehension fluency deep within you there is something that i'm working on so these are two things that i majorly feel will create a lot of impact in people's life because definitely health is wealth if if you're healthy then your mind is healthy you can think about new things you have that passion you have that zeal you have that uh, enthusiasm and you yeah. want to keep on going forward so these are two major things that i feel that is the need of the eye everyone should be focusing on that is true there is a certain concept here that we have um that um sort of like pain clinics or mm-hmm. um uh, they provide uh, like kind of health camps for those that mm-hmm. cannot afford mm-hmm. and then word is spread out and uh, they really evaluated by so it has to be a humanitarian initiative taken by mm-hmm. people in power or like higher up there um plus the specialists and if you're talking about healthcare you know where you can just ease in pain i really like the idea like a pain clinic just a pain clinic in um you know we have a lot of rush here near the embassies so they situated it there and you see all kind of people in distress approaching the embassies so it was well um marketed there i think and it's it's a non-profit based organization so um yeah doctors like doctors without borders like those kind of initiatives there are always you know there as many as you can have is less no matter what so mm-hmm. i think we are in need of those and the education system like you said that's so true i think public speaking and the power of voice is really really important <laughs> i cannot stress that more no really it is i i love the name of the podcast and it speaks for itself it is Thank it's you. really important yeah so i wanted to ask you uh, dr zara like um, something with regard to you like what something people seem to misunderstand about you because sometimes what happens is that when you are portraying a role in a certain mm-hmm. situation certain ecosystem we might portray our personality in a certain manner with regard to the tones the mannerism the idiosyncrasies the behavior uh mm-hmm. when we bow in front of someone our back is towards someone else we can't please everyone so right. what are those certain things that people misunderstand about you not hate about you but misunderstand certain times what do you feel while you are doing a reflection with regard to your own personality and your 
reaction and response um what i have assessed about myself mm-hmm. i never really saw it as a um a negative but if you always get a certain uh retaliation a certain response then you are forced to think so um one thing was like if i'm helping someone out in any way okay and uh, sometimes i go all out most of the times i have to really hold myself back from uh not helping someone and um you know they they uh think of it as a point of weakness like i i don't think people would exist that way that um if someone's helping you that you strong arm them or squeeze them into um helping you more or constantly you know misusing that that trust that you're putting in you mm-hmm. i think i'm confusing you but what i'm trying to say is <laughs> what i'm trying to say is when i help someone they they think of it as um as my weakness that i cannot stop helping them mm-hmm. when it's not that and i found myself in situations where i step back and they think that it was their right in a way you know they act as if i have become cruel if i've stopped assisting them mm-hmm. in whatever way you know so that i think um my niceness is taken for foolishness mm-hmm. is what i can say interesting sometimes um so i've i've learned to or i'm trying to hold back on helping anyone and everyone regardless of you know where you don't know the person but you will just help them because you can and you don't you just blindly trust them i blindly trust people a lot maybe that mm-hmm. that is what i've learned and i used to think i still think that i will not change the way i think but i will um maybe hold back and assess people a lot more mm-hmm. you know before uh stepping into something like that yeah yeah you you can you know trust you always have to trust your gut feeling you should mm-hmm. but to act upon your gut feeling is a different thing than trusting it. Mm. So don't always be uh just to do the good deed don't 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 rush to do good deeds nowadays I think. <laughs> you know hold back to when it's where's really really necessary or look look before you leap. <laughs> yeah. Look uh, think. Think. <laughs> think think look and think <laughs> before you leap. <laughs> yep. and look all around <laughs> all around really <laughs> <Seriously. laughs> yeah i think it's a good advice because uh, normally people jump onto the fact of providing some service some support people have to be more mindful as to what is the person that you're giving the support to and if there is any if you feel that there is a canary in the coal mine you become mm-hmm. more mindful about it those are some red flags that would be coming there and always 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 uh, listen to your gut feeling your intuition is the most powerful weapon that you have yeah all right dr sir tell me about a patient that touched your heart or changed your practice or created some some vibrations inside you made you think any any experience that you want to reflect on from your life actually yes um there was this uh certain patient that i had the opportunity of meeting last year 
I, I remember you once uh, told me that there was a patient uh, who gave you a red rose, and that was something that you cherished because you really liked that gesture by the patient. <laughs> one, one of the patients you told me about, right? Yes, yes, yes. She was a uh, she was a wife of a patient. Yeah. Who I was taking care of. I was working with the geriatrics uh, department. Mm-hmm. and uh, i used to do home visits back then and i would visit mm-hmm. the patients who were bed bound so uh, the certain gentleman had some renal issues and his blood pressure was not in control and you know how at that that age when you're old you just need someone to talk you into doing things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know they become like kids so uh, he really enjoyed talking to me and my um since back then used to just be like chit chatting sessions with these people i mm. uh, i would like to stress on the fact that i have not had interaction with the older age group of people because my grandparents from both sides have um <clears throat> they're deceased before i could you know have proper interaction with them so i i really had like minimal experience with dealing with older people so this for me was it was always hard warming and softening at the same time when i would sit with them and with them and we would just just have a chat and we check their charts and out had a have a word with the nurses so at the end of it all yeah he was they had a pretty little garden in their house and wherever there's plants and foliage and gardens i just take a little <laughs> tour inside so i felt free to walk and i think that his wife used to see me from the window admiring her rose plant they had a rose plant and they had a few sunflowers So yeah that day on the way out she she plucked the rose for me and though I don't like to kill flowers <laughs> I really thought that was sweet and that actually smelled nice it smelled fragrant yeah. of a rose you know so I had the rose for the longest time it's somewhere here dried up <laughs> the petals <laughs> that was a sweet gesture yeah that was any other patient that you were mentioning before I jumped on to this patient Yeah, there was a young lad who had uh um he had he had been in an accident. Mm-hmm. And the accident itself the details were very I think the details of the accident touched my heart. Mm-hmm. And then his will to live and to survive even more that also. So mm-hmm. he was I think 24 or 23. and uh he was a national jiu jitsu like he was going on to become the champion like he was in the finalists mm-hmm. and uh, just a night before his last match he was riding his bike and he hit a roundabout which he didn't see and for him that was very weird also cuz he takes that route always and how could he have missed it bike flipped and he broke his legs both of mm. them and also had a concussion on his back so he had a spinal injury and uh, when i met him he was paralyzed from both his legs so he went like overnight from being this close to being the jiu jitsu champion to being someone mm-hmm. handicapped in a wheelchair for a 23 year old like that and every time I, he had on his um on his bed next to his bed he had this iv lamp so you have like a rod that's that goes up he would have his medals hanging 
and mm-hmm. he'd always be smiling and like patient upset or you know he just always be thanking god and just praising the lord and he welcomed me and he wow. he, he didn't treat me like he was handicapped or he didn't expect any kind of uh sympathy or though he did want to you know I just uh, oversee his physiotherapy sessions with our physiotherapist so and just um so he would he would treat me to to to, to you know to tea and to coffee at his house it, this was also a home visit I would do this is back when mm-hmm. I was doing home visits I think mm-hmm. I, I had very nice experiences back then mm-hmm. when I would see the patients in their houses cuz they're more relaxed and they it, it it you know turns the table around I'm their doctor the visiting doctor and the guest in a way and people really? here are very hospitable so and i don't just get to meet them i get to meet their family their pets <laughs> it was lovely you know so this is really They're... interesting like uh, whichever location the person enters mm-hmm. they start transitioning into a different role like when you are entering in their location yeah they, they become the host when they enter in your location you become the host by default it's mm. it's also location specific behaviors are also something that is very pertinent with regard to healthcare workers yep and consultation also the the overall air about the consultation changes the patient is more accepting towards the treatment mm-hmm. when you see them in their house also they're comfortable they're very yeah. comfortable because they're in their own home uh, setup they are familiar with the environment and uh, they feel more connected to it yeah but they're adults you know it's not as if in a clinic like there is a lot of people watching them or a lot of eyes mm-hmm. there but they just tend to open up more and uh, give more details and a better history if it comes to that at home or in their comfortable environment like you said so yeah that's that's uh, a a hu- i think human nature that mm-hmm. they just just uh, you're you're more comfortable in your own zone where you've been accustomed to so um yeah he was i really got influenced by him because and he recently got married despite oh. all of that so i like that was amazing to see so he never gave up on anything is what i'm trying to say his his will power and his uh, optimism yeah his optimism and his thirst to live and to thrive you know and not consider himself anything less he didn't choose to um i'm sure he he must have had fights inside him like i saw something in his eyes this is all this is another topic that we should open up someday but the eyes <laughs> like the way you can there are different looks in different people's eyes and they talk so about done, the experience so i've done a podcast on the power of oculistics Mm-hmm. send that to you the oculistics is the study of the eye and the behaviors of the eye the eye gazing and all yep the eye shutting the dilation of the pupil and the pupils and the iris and mm-hmm. the uh, cornea of the eye and how you are making the eye gestures so everything with regard to eye we have covered in that so right definitely when we see a person eye contact is something that we do first <laughs> we look at the person through the eye so eye is something that is it's it's a very active um, ingredient of body language non verbals yep so that was beautiful to see so i i had uh he was my patient for around 4 or 5 months mm-hmm. and by the time like we saw his leg strengthening and then he could stand up not really ambulate but 
you know like there was so much improvement and so much um he finally he could still drive his car with uh i think they had a specialized uh apparatus fit inside for him to mm-hmm. control the accelerator and the brakes and everything so he didn't give up on anything like he made everything work for himself you know and he he wanted to he would oversee his own own, own equipment and how to take care of it and how to get it cleaned like he wasn't lazy about it he didn't end his life at 23 despite going into such a major traumatic experience so that was very uh, motivating you know that made me reconsider a lot of things and so there are these certain people that you it's very rare that you come across some people who emanate mm-hmm. such positive energy you know if you really when you sense it that's when you know like i can tell you a, a million things about positive energies and auras and vibes but if you're not around someone who is giving that kind of uh, you know frequencies out you you're never going to understand So that for me was one patient that I can never forget. Yeah. Very interesting, very interesting. And um, with regard to this aspect of uh, healthcare mm-hmm. or working in the healthcare, um definitely it's very enriching, but also at the end uh, it's also a bit tad bit exhausting. So when you go back home, what are the things that you indulge or you penetrate into? to give you that sense of calmness or that composure whatever that you feel like sharing the first thing i do when i come home is i take my guitar even though i'm not good at it mm-hmm. i go and strum a bit music mm-hmm. really helps me i love music music um, helps you relax a bit yeah so what i do and i need some solitude though i like um like my job I interact with over 100 plus people every day. Mm-hmm. So it does uh, you know kind of put you in the zone all the time and you want some time to yourself like some solitude that's in term. So I I just I kind of sit quietly and listen to the emptiness of the room or you can say meditate in a way. Mm. I play like, my guitar. I some on the lines of mindfulness. Yeah. And you know there's this certain thing also that happens Vicky it's funny but when i sit down and if i just just do nothing i want to sit down for a few moments and just do nothing you know when i come home that's the mm-hmm. first thing and then i pick up my guitar if guitar is not the first thing <laughs> <laughs> so there's this certain uh, you know um maybe it's fatigue or but it cannot always be like i'm not that tired mm-hmm. but i feel certain um how do i put it uh it's like layers falling off mm-hmm. of my body you know i feel from all over i feel like i'm shedding some kind of weight i think one of the reasons because uh, as you change the location the thoughts that are uh, resonating with that particular location they also start shedding their weight over you right when like when you're coming from the healthcare uh, environment from your from your hospital and all from your mm-hmm. clinic then you're not thinking about the things that are there in the cleaning then you are there on your bed inside your home now you're thinking about the chores at home whatever that you want to do now for the relaxation and also as the thoughts are transitioning the layers are also getting out of you right it makes you feel that relaxation deep within you mm, what i think it is it's the way that the molecules in my body have been vibrating all day because i'm in a state of um, 
mm. uh, in a worked up state. Yeah. You know, because I have to get this done, I have to get that done. I need to finish things. My clinic is very fast paced, so we're we're always on the you know mm-hmm. on our toes. So. Uh, like when I come home, I'm not really thinking of anything. But what I was trying to tell you is that um, I start coming down to my baseline frequency, which I think in the beginning of the interview I told you was, is I'm very laid back. I'm a very sedentary person. Mm. Like I'm, my mind is working, but my body is most of the times it is, it's on standby. So I I think a lot. Yeah. So I feel that weight of the you know the. The, the kinetic energy okay mm-hmm. the, the molecules <laughs> literally the molecules in my body are they're coming down to their basal potential so there is literal energy shedding off you know yeah, yeah. that is relaxation for me it's not like it's getting a massage or something it's just me sitting and not thinking about anything or just lying down and then the the actual particles in my body calming down Mm. Am I going somewhere like, like on a very higher level? Yeah, beautiful. literally. I... <laughs> beautiful. Well, I love Molecular. the way you're articulating and you're creating those visualizations and the usage of the terms and the words that you're doing. Um, makes me uh, become more aware of what you're trying to portray. Yeah. So I think that's uh, meditation is something I'm fond of. And I want to meditate the way i feel you know i don't um it's it's not harmful to learn it a certain way but i i feel like i can innovate a way of meditation which i know mm. that i'm feeling peaceful now by doing something a certain way mm. so this is one of those things for me and when i'm in that state it's really relaxing it's like it's just i'm just breathing and i'm just being me i'm there i'm i'm just existing and that in itself and that realization is just making me shed so much of uh, um, yeah energy which is not needed right now which i need to relax this is um this is exactly like i, I remember this science experiment in school where i think in dirty water when you put alum then mm-hmm. all the all the particles they start settling down and the water starts becoming clear So in the same manner when you are at your home the home is providing you that alum and all whatever the stress that is there on your head it starts settling down and you start becoming more clear in your head and your space right yeah you're in an mm-hmm. environment where you don't have triggers you don't have stimuli exactly. in my own room so i can just you know not being able not focusing on anything is also and it's mm. it's an ability <laughs> just having no focus Being, just being there doing nothing just existing nothing. yes merely existing and just breathing you so know. that is the that is the power of silence when you are silent in your thoughts in your impressions expressions mm. um you're just there in that moment you're just enjoying that moment and you become that moment you become one with that moment it's almost like you're flowing without even having any kind of an impact any kind of an effort or impulse you're just in that state of being that's a very powerful state yeah that is all right on that note uh, dr zara one last question before we end this beautiful podcast because of the dearth of time i feel like having conversation for you for a longer period of time elongating it a bit more but for the dearth of time one one last question that i want to ask you is 
Yes. If you go back and you turn back the time and go back in your timeline. Mm-hmm. And you talk to your younger self. Mm-hmm. What would be that one piece of advice you would like to give her? Oh, you would not like to give her any kind of advice. Um Definitely I would like to tell myself to um um you know this is this is a good up. advice um um no 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 <laughs> maybe not like, do that i like this advice <laughs> Vicky, you're cutting me short i'm not done yet <laughs> um go on <laughs> um the horse is making me um so what i'm trying to say is <laughs> you know um i thought I wish that I could have been a little more I, I I would have caused some trouble. I think it's important for kids to just go and make some menace, you know, be part of some havoc. Mhm. I think I was lacking in that. That that's very necessary, you know, and I make sure that my younger siblings they get up get in some fights, you know, just just be part of a a ball and get out of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a skill that you need to learn as a child. and to stand up for a stranger you know th- mm-hmm. i think this thing this thing um regardless of all that i was thinking and my values and everything i still was very timid this is one thing that i wish that i had picked it up and i knew how to solve it cuz um you know for parents they my parents didn't necessarily think that it was a bad thing they thought our child is not a troublemaker um you know she's well away from trouble and all of that but i think that this quality i i should have inculcated it you know been uh part of ragged situations of uh, of of fights I, and things I, I like in that i think in the future all the schools should be giving some kind of uh, skill training for <laughs> mosh pit <laughs> <laughs> how you can bite people how you can trouble them how you can kick them and you pick pick up on girls and boys and all. no 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 what i'm trying the, to say is the the um, what you say the knowledge of aikido <laughs> the japanese technique of how you can uh, i think self defense is something that that is some that should be taught in schools i, I very strongly yeah. believe that because a uh, lot of bullying happens and a lot of taunting and teasing happens and uh, kids should be made aware about the various touch to their bodies a good touch yeah. and bad touch and also uh, so that they don't get abused in whatever manner and also definitely something with regard to self defense where they become aware that their body is something that they have to protect their mind their body and soul is something that they have to protect and no one can uh, coerce or force you into any kind of situations or any kind of positions so you so i think this creating this awareness is extremely important in schools which nowadays is not happening much only the pts and the yogas and all those things mm. are happening but nothing with regard to self control and uh, all these self help things are not being discussed much there's something i feel feel is precisely precisely that covers my point as well where mm-hmm. you know there there could be a simulation of a of a certain fight or something yeah. <laughs> not really yeah. like maybe maybe in a... the near future when uh vr ar mr will be penetrating more into these different different sectors 
um i i feel that these old place scenarios will be there and people will become more aware because you don't have to go there uh, physically you can just observe it in a cognitive mind space and you can just get the awareness that we get from the videos that are there or just by observing someone it's, it's a kind of an observational learning or that is something that will happen in the near future but it's more about what are the various things that you add so that you can bring that perspective in right well put yeah that's that's what i was trying to say as well this is exactly what you were saying yeah I, i'm just articulating whatever your thoughts were <laughs> <laughs> how nice of you vicky <laughs> no i'm in between <laughs> long overdue this talk <laughs> No, but on on this note, I just want to mention that Dr. Zara, it's always a pleasure having a conversation with you. Pleasure, sir. I'm always right. looking forward to having a conversation with you, bringing all these beautiful insights for the listeners to get those learnings, create that impact in life. And thank you once again soon, for soon. coming here and taking this precious time out of your busy schedule. Come here thank to have you, a free flow kind of a conversation. I hope you enjoyed the flow. the mm-hmm. things that we discussed how i made you think how the different um, perspectives we shared the conversation flow happened i hope you enjoyed all that yes definitely it was lovely thank you for having me sure sure so on on this note any any last thoughts that you want to leave with the listeners any quote any line that is something that you use a lot in your life that you want to share with the listeners no line is such that i use a lot <laughs> but um one should learn to stand up for yourself and stand up for others when they see something wrong yes. and i think you should never uh, let anything hold us back from voicing the truth i i would like to say um if you cannot stop something if you see something bad try and stop it mm-hmm. with your hands and if you cannot do that then stop it with your words at least verbalize that this is wrong and if you cannot do that then at least in your mind tell yourself and never let yourself get accustomed to something that is wrong remind yourself that this will always be wrong so yeah that is so one thing creating an awareness having an intention and to take the right action that is something that we should all teach our kids all the people yes. who are there they should follow that and it's a it's a beautiful note on which we are ending and creating this conversation again dr zara thank you so much for joining in and thank you uh, i'll connect with you soon take care soon hopefully see you take good care. night you good too. night